1: Hello and welcome to Locked In Science. For another week, this is half an hour of science on your radio. My name is Claire and we are still locked in, um, like some of you maybe, uh, maybe some of you aren't. And this week on the show, we have an extra special guest presenter Atlanta Collie welcome to locked in science
0: oh, thank you for having me I'm so excited to have any human contact these days it's great to be here <laughs>
1: That is excellent well you know I mean human contact over the um, over the interwebs
0: right yeah it's enough I'll take it I'll take a picture of your face on my screen it's good. great
1: and Alanta what do you have for us this week what are you what are you, what are you going to talk to us about? I'd love
0: to talk to you about the coronavirus vaccine trials and a little bit about
1: where they're at and what to expect next. Okay, so um, there's a few trials happening around the world. Is that right? Well, there's actually 167
0: different vaccine trials happening around the world. So it's a uh, lot. It's- that is
1: a lot. Why do we only ever hear about the one? It's incredible. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Uh,
0: only six of them uh, have reached phase three trials, and that's the, that's the big one. That's when you're enrolling up to, like, 30,000, 40,000 people across the world in your trials. So they're the ones that people are really focusing on. Um, but the thing to remember is that, like, we have um, oh, vaccine trials. Normally about 2 to 3% of candidates uh, produce a successful vaccine. But right. But if you've got 167 on the go... The odds of getting a couple successful out of them is relatively high
1: okay so it's almost a numbers game at this point
0: it really is but uh, as you say like the the big uh, focus is on 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 those six around the world that have reached the the phase three trials
1: I'm looking forward to hearing your your take and all your research on that all right well um, let's not dilly-dally any longer on with the show
0: I'd love to talk a bit today about um, the COVID vaccines that are in, in, uh, in trial at the moment. Um, and as I mentioned before, there was up to there's over 167 of them that are known about that are being trialed, not to mention various people trialing different concoctions of tea and sunlight and other things in their own time, yeah, but we're, yeah. we're not talking about those things.
1: <laughs> Bleach. Bleach,
0: yeah. Don't do not do that. Public don't service do that. announcement. Yeah. Don't drink bleach. Don't inject bleach into your lungs or anywhere else.
1: Just Actually, just don't listen to anything the President of the United States says. Pretty That's probably, safe please. advice, yeah. to be
0: honest. <laughs> um, but I'm. it might seem weird in this very strange time that we're living in to be excited, but I cannot experience anything but excitement just reading about the vaccine trials. Because yes. we are living... <laughs> in unprecedented times, which is a sentence everyone is learning to hate, <laughs> but we've never seen vaccine research happening like this in our, in our lives. We've never seen the speed with which vaccines are being trialed. Um, we've never seen the kind of technologies being used before. Um, and, you know, basically up until this year, uh, vaccines would be in development from five years to 15 years. So to see uh, a vaccine actually, you know, people estimating that within the less than a year of actually having the results, that's unlike anything we've seen before.
1: It's also really interesting that there are 167 vaccines being developed simultaneously, and that's no, that's like nothing that we've ever seen either, right? Just that sort of like yeah. that, that breadth of different approaches to the one challenge that um you know humanity faces
0: absolutely and um you know this is when it comes to viruses there's there's more viruses in the world uh, on earth than there are stars in the universe that's a fact um there's more than a quadrillion quadrillion wow. viruses so uh that kind of does so you know we, we know very little about the full extent of viruses so I, I guess it does make sense to be trialing so many different things When it comes down to them
2: and um as far as it goes there there have been no vaccines for a coronavirus before that have actually worked have there
0: no Uh, that said though there has been a lot of research on on sars um the severe acute respiratory syndrome and mers which is the middle eastern version which people actually contracted from camels don't know how close they were getting to those camels, but that's where it came from. So that's actually one of the reasons this vaccine um, has been able to look at a much shorter time frame because of the research from the SARS vaccine and the MERS vaccine research as well, which both had different effects on the world, definitely didn't reach the uh, extent of people that we've seen with this coronavirus. But yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. What I think is fascinating about it is, you know, not, we've heard a lot about phase one, phase two, phase three. Um, roughly what that means is phase one, they're testing to see if the vaccine is safe. They test it on a very small group. Um, phase two, they're trying to see if it's effective. They're trying to see if people are producing antibodies or an immune response after that that trial and then phase three we see them expanding to much larger cohort of people and they're also trying to learn at this point what's the right dosage they don't want to give too much of the vaccine or too little to produce the antibody response so this this year what we've actually seen is is companies and organizations running phase one and phase two at the same time and really accelerating to phase three very, very quickly. And the other really fascinating thing is that pharmaceutical companies tend to wait uh, until a vaccine's been approved, all the research is out before they start producing the vaccine, but given the incredible global demand, the pharmaceutical companies are stockpiling the vaccine, making billions of doses. So the second... Uh, yeah so the second the the green light is given on these um vaccines they will be distributing them across the world we've never seen anything like this like i feel like this is our generation of the space race you know when we Mm. our our families grew up watching russia and the u.s and others competing to get a man on the moon now we're seeing the same thing with with vaccines it's going to be made into so many films in years to come oh my goodness so we'll have
2: We'll have, uh, you know, it'll be televised, the first person getting injected with the, with the vaccine that passes and everyone will be like watching their telly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> absolutely. I don't know. Um, the U- UQ is, is trialling. We've got a few Australian candidates in there and there was this absolutely wonderful photo <laughs> a couple of months ago of the uh, Queensland Premier standing in the corner as the first candidate received the uh, the vaccine trial, just awkwardly standing there in a pink business suit. It's one of my favourite. She wasn't even wearing a mask. Uh, favorite images of uh, coronavirus that I've seen so far.
2: <laughs> you mentioned the AstraZeneca. Trial in the UK, and that got paused, and that hit the news really big time a f- couple of weeks ago because they went, oh, they've stopped the trial because someone got sick. And I, you know, I was reading that and sort of going, well, isn't that what they do if something if something goes wrong, you just sort of stop and go, well, what went wrong, and then you can start it up again. But what what was the story there?
0: Yeah, you're completely right. So I, I think you're right. that AstraZeneca, um, which is the Oxford vaccine, it came out of the Jenner Institute. Um, at Oxford university and they're working with the pharmaceutical company AstraZeneca, they've probably got the most uh, attention out of all the vaccines at the moment. And um, you're right. So another thing that is unprecedented about this is the level of attention being paid Mm. to uh, the vaccine trials. Normally they sort of tick along in the background. Everyone goes about their business, but with the level of public scrutiny, when they did pause it last a few weeks ago, um, the world was watching and the world wanted to know. And the really fascinating thing was they weren't prepared to share that much information about what actually happened. And bits and pieces have come out since. But I think what we're going to see as a result of this year is higher levels of public transparency. You know, all the people who need to know inside the trial probably are across all the details. But there wasn't a great deal of information that came out outside of that one of the big issues was um there was um there's a suggestion that the 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 person who was participating in the trial it was one individual uh, experienced transverse myelitis which is uh, inflammation around the spinal cord which is known to be connected with uh an immune response um but that was that's uh, So that stopped the trial for about six days. They have restarted in South Africa and Brazil, but the U.S. arm of the AstraZeneca trial hasn't continued. So um, they're still waiting for the uh, FDA, who's their regulatory body, to actually give the green light for that to start up again. And in all of this discussion, it came out that that was actually the second time the trial has been paused, So, which is as you say, completely wonderful, because they're doing the right thing. If, if someone presents with symptoms that uh, suggest there might be an issue with the vaccine, you should hold the trial. And they did. So there's a big debate at the moment. Uh, have they done the right thing and being transparent about that? Or has that actually increased people's scepticism and fear of the vaccine, that there's been one individual out of the thirty to 40,000 enrolled in the trial who had this reaction?
2: yeah and i guess whether it's actually connected to the vaccine or you know that that's what they're investigating obviously but you know it's sort of i guess when you've got a group of um interested amateurs which is the general public watching something which is very very technical and specialized they're probably gonna not necessarily catch on to what's going on exactly and why they're stopping and it's not really it's something that doesn't happen, you know, it does happen all the time probably in vaccine trials, it's just that no one's ever paid any attention before.
0: It did. And and to pause a 30,000-person trial for, for the results of one individual is extremely high levels of, of you know, professionalism and scientific rigour. Um, but when people are looking for those things to to latch on to, that is really, um, it can feed into it. So it really does matter. I mean, this is a time... For science communication, this is a time.
1: (laughs) If if ever there was was a time, this is (laughs) a time. If ever there was
0: a time to invest in really sharing uh, and being as transparent as possible with with the general public. Um, The other really big thing that's playing into people's concerns is um, in America there's talk about the um, fast-tracking the... uh, Introduction of the vaccine, uh, FDA has a special. It's, you might have heard of Operation Warp Speed. That's what. Uh, Trump's oh calling the yes,
1: I think I may have. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so the FDA, um, who's their regulatory body, have um, emergency use authorization, and so there's talk about Pfizer and Moderna, who are two of the leading candidates, um, starting to vaccinate uh people as early as uh late October November and while this might seem the fast tracking might seem like a good idea to protect people um they haven't completed their phase 3 trials yet and there's a we there's a lot of people really worried that that will get into people's heads and stop them having any mm. confidence in the vaccine when it does get rolled out to a wider audience
1: Listening to Locked In Science on the Community Radio Network, and our guest this week is Atlanta Colley, science communicator and public health professional, talking about COVID nineteen vaccines. So, what sort of different technologies are going into these vaccines? What you know are there are there new innovations? Are there new approaches? Or are these sorts of are these you know vaccine technologies that have been used in the past?
0: A bit of both. Great question. This is really cool when you start getting into what makes up the different um, vaccines as well. So the AstraZeneca one, they're actually using a chimp adenovirus as the sort of casing for their vaccine. Like
1: like chimpanzee?
0: Chimpanzees, yeah. So this is a cold virus that creates a cold in chimps. The, The beauty of that is that we as humans haven't been very exposed to that adenovirus. We don't already have uh, an immune response, so that's that was actually needed in order to uh, make this possible. For this is the casing. When what they do is they take the the cold virus, the adenovirus, and they cut a tiny bit of the spike protein off the coronavirus, and they embed it inside the adenovirus and introduce that into the body. And that's uh, that's been uh, you know through their trials so far. They've had really good. Uh, results of, of participants producing um, antibodies. Mm. Some people are a bit worried about the antibody response because the antibody response can fade quite quickly. Mm, but they've okay. also seen the T cell response. That's the next wave of um, immune response. Um, antibodies stop... A virus invading a cell t-cells actually go out find infected cells and destroy them so right those different stages of the um, immune response
1: so what would they ideally be looking for
0: they uh, ideally you want both um, okay. antibodies are great but we just don't know how long the immune response will stay and there's even been talk about we might need to go and get a coronavirus vaccine twice a year that might be something that happens. We don't know. that's that will be they'll continue looking into that for the next uh, however many years. How long do people keep this immune response? Um T cells from my very limited understanding is uh, lasts a bit longer. So that's one of the the happy sort of outcomes of the research mm. so far. yeah. Um, another cool vaccine is the Moderna vaccine Um, and that came out of Cambridge, Massachusetts this is being uh, trialed in the States this is using mRNA this is using messenger RNA which
1: Mm. is
0: genetic material made of nucleic acid which is similar to our DNA Mm. Um, and this this is brand new research this uh, no mRNA vaccine uh, has ever been licensed for human use so if they get this uh if this trial goes well, they'll be using technology that has never been used in a vaccine before.
1: Has it has it been used for any sort of medical application?
0: Uh I don't know. I'd be um I'd be lying if I gave a good answer to that. Yeah. Um but uh So interesting they've definitely researched it. I don't think they've ever had the the kinds of results that they needed to approve a vaccine. So it's uh yeah, it's pretty cool. But that act, that vaccine takes snippets of the viral RNA, um, which has is a molecule that has instructions for making proteins, and they wrap it in lipids, and then they uh, that enables it to slide into the cell. So that's how that one works. And as to the Chinese and the Russian vaccines, I can't tell you. <laughs> I can't find anything on them. Uh, they're just
1: wow. Scary. They're like denying <laughs> curtain of research, isn't?
0: Yeah, i mean china was i think the first to start a lot of the research and i think they were looking at some adenoviruses as well um so a lot of countries have benefited from that initial chinese research but it's still uh yeah it's it's been funny i've been reading a, a obsessively about this for the last six months um and so much of the the science communication shifted away from the actual science of it and onto the politics of it, you know, as the U.S. Mm. election looms, that uh, it's actually hard to find a lot of details <laughs> about some That's of
1: very interesting.
0: Yeah, how it works.
1: And how um, about closer to home, the – university of queensland vaccine trials and the CSIRO. do they have one as well down uh, in yeah, victoria
0: they're they're definitely they're both in the running um neither of them have reached phase three i think two weeks ago the uq um vaccine trial they started uh, their melbourne-based trial so they were looking for participants healthy people uh to participate in it um And I'm not sure if uh, CSIRO1 has reached phase two yet. So they're still dealing with small numbers of people. Um, In the hundreds, they definitely haven't gone bigger. One of the really interesting things about trialing uh, all of these vaccines is exposure. Um, And the AstraZeneca one, they've got people receiving it in the UK. They've got people receiving it in South Africa, in Brazil and India. Because what they actually need is they need participants who are in places with mm. high levels of the of the virus circulating so they can really get some, some solid numbers. And that's an issue that um, the UQ1 will have. Uh, I mean, I know Melbourne is the hotspot of Australia right now. <laughs> but but numbers doing? are on
1: the decline. <laughs> yeah.
0: And that brings me to the talk about um, challenge trials, which is something that from what I understand, no one's done before. And a challenge trial is where you get, you don't get 30,000 participants, you get maybe 200. Mm. And you infect those 200 with the coronavirus. And then you start trialing uh, your drugs and your vaccines, particularly on on those people. So that is something that none of the vaccines have trials to date, but uh, people are pushing for it in the UK. So there's a they, go, they have to get permission from the government to actually proceed with that. So uh, that's, that's where we're going with this. And it, it's obviously got to go through ethics approval, but the beauty of, uh, of a challenge trial is you don't need 30,000 people. You've got uh, a cohort who 100% have had exposure and then you can actually uh, see much more concentrated results.
1: So in that trial, you give them the vaccine, then give them the virus and then see what happens.
0: I think that is exactly what happens. Um, there's even a, a, an org called One Day Sooner, which has uh, recruited really uh, well, people uh, across the UK and across the world, actually, who are young, disease-free people who are putting their hand up saying, I want to be involved. I want to help. This wants, I want this to be my contribution to science. I want to uh, be infected with coronavirus.
2: Wow. I guess. I guess the ethical concern is that because it is such a new virus and a new illness, it's, there's very little medical understanding of who it affects particularly and who it, who it singles out to actually get really sick. So how do you choose a cohort? It's, they, they might be willing and, and able, but, but with, with no real understanding of who gets really sick from it. That's it's hard right. to say, oh, well, you guys will be fine. You're all under 25 or something like <laughs> that. It's not It's not that simple by the look of things.
0: Yeah, you're completely right. And um, challenge trials that have run before, they're often trialing uh, for illnesses like malaria that we don't have a vaccine for, but we do have a treatment for. So we do have, um, and typhoid as well. So once they have been infected with the illness, they can actually be treated for it. So with this one, they'll be running in, and there is a few... Um, uh, drugs that they have found remdesivir that have some effect, but you're completely right. This is a challenge with all the trials, though. I think some of the US trials they're only trialing participants between 18 and 55, and they're not trialing anyone who's immunocompromised, so no one um, who's HIV positive or who has Hep C. So we're already they've already built limitations in when we know that the the highest mortality rate is in the 55-plus cohort of society. So, yeah, you're completely right. It's a big challenge they face with the balance of getting people into the trial but also not putting people at an unnecessary level of risk. And that's where we're at at the moment with the research. October and November is going to be a very interesting time to start seeing the results. We're going to see if countries start fast-tracking the the rollout to high-risk populations. We're going to see if the challenge trials get up. Uh, It's going to be a really interesting time to see what happens next, I think. Uh, So watch this space!
1: That's all we have time for on another episode of Locked in Science. Uh, a big thank you to our super guest today, Atlanta Collie. Thanks for coming on Lost in Science slash Locked in Science.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: <laughs> Locked in Science is recorded on the lands of the Kulin Nation with the kind support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Uh, please get in touch with us if you would like to tell us, you know, what you like, what you don't like, anything along those lines. You can find us at lostinsight at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter where we are Lost in Science 1 or find us on Facebook, we are Lost in Science on 3CR. Um, Or just tune in again next week when Claire, Stu, maybe Atlanta, if you'll come back, get... What
0: IN SCIENCE! <laughs> Thanks for listening to a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online.